Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of the Crystal Clodcast. I'm your host Laura, as ever. Laura K. Bars on pretty much everything, and I am here this week with Retta. And I am uh, at Super Retta. Did you momentarily forget where you were? <laughs> yes, I did! <laughs> That's fine. Retta is at Super Retta, with lots of A's in it. Uh, we're also here with Mia. Hello, I'm Mia. You can find me at OmiaGod on Twitter. Woo! And we are here this week to talk about another five episodes of Steven Universe. We Today we'll be talking about episode 11, Arcade Mania. Episode 12, Giant Woman. Episode 13, So Many Birthdays. Episode 14, Lars and the Cool Kids. And episode 15, Onion Trade. In terms of spoilers, we have currently seen up to episode 120, which is Storm in the Room. So... I don't think that we're going to talk about that one today, but just for reference of where we're up to. Two more since last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen a couple since then. Uh, so, first episode up today to talk about is episode... Let me get back backwards. Episode 11, Arcade Mania. Who wants to start us off? I don't have much to... Like, I remember this episode being kind of disappointing in that it doesn't have much of a conclusion. The, I know I'm jumping ahead, but the first time I watched it, mm. watching it again, kind of had the same reactions. So, I've got a lot of notes, but they're all... They're all things that are interesting character observations that I don't know whether in, whether intentional or not. But you're right, the episode itself doesn't really go anywhere, because the episode is... They're fighting a big monster. They go to the arcade... There's not really a resolution with the arcade and the monster is just kind of defeated and it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's an odd episode. Like, so there are some interesting things to talk about in it. Um, at the beginning of the episode, we see Stephen trying very hard to be serious and to take things seriously. Mm. He gets in trouble for having his slightly squeaky coat, but his heart seems like it was definitely in the right place because he wrapped up warm Mm-hmm. Because he wanted to not cause issues and to not have any problems in the in the mission. It's like, oh, we're going somewhere that's going to be a bit cold. I'll wear a coat. That's a sensible adult choice to make. Yeah. Mm. Like, I feel like even if he's getting criticised for it, he did it because he was trying to be adult yeah. and mature. I think that's the thing. It felt, like, really harsh towards him. It's kind of like, why did you have to wear a squeaky coat? And it's kind yeah. of like... But he's a kid. He has to look after himself as his part human self. Yeah, it felt like an extension of what we've seen in the recent episodes, which is Stephen going on the more serious missions mm. and kind of be like, okay, this is serious. Like, we he's, all need to kind of be on top of this. He's still a bit of a goofy kid, but he's trying to take it seriously. Mm, yeah. And again, like, if he's not doing things right, it's because the people teaching him probably haven't taught him, like... Someone should have said to him before going, okay, that coat's going to be a bit squeaky, maybe we do something different, rather than let him go like that and then criticise him once he's there. Yeah. yeah. They definitely don't treat him like a child. They treat him more like an equal that's kind of messing up. Well, yeah. yeah. They, they don't treat him as someone who is learning to be a crystal gem. They treat him as a crystal gem that's not getting it right. Yeah, it's almost like, you should already know this. Like... Well, I feel like some of that comes down to reincarnated rose <laughs> yeah. is the expectation of you should already know what you're doing um there's a really good example of we talked in the last few episodes about amethyst taking the big sister role and being the sort of yeah. slightly teasy big sister and there's a great example of that at the beginning with amethyst 
making the squeaky sounds of the jacket so that Stephen will get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the whole sibling thing of like trying to get your younger brother mm-hmm. into trouble. Exactly, and it's it's a playful moment, but it is kind of. It's like, that's mean. Why are you doing that, Amethyst? It is It is unnecessarily mean, but I think a lot of it comes down to Amethyst trying to keep herself asserted as, like, Stephen's the one messing up. Not yeah. me, it's Stephen. He's the, the mess up now that yeah. he's here. Definitely. Um, so, what else do we have? I don't think at this point they've, they've acknowledged definitively that Garnet has future vision. Again, there seems to be an allusion to it. Is it Pearl oh. who says that... She has mm. heightened perception. Yes, heightened yeah. perception. She goes on a lot of solo missions. She has heightened perception. And we see her use her future vision for things like knowing where to be to catch Stephen when he falls. Yeah. Like yeah. she just stood there she's ready to catch Yeah, it's like she's waiting for him it's to like land. He's cl- she's clearly using future vision. Mm. But they, I don't, I find it interesting that they're not referring to it directly as that. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting because, as we said, it seems really clear that they had intended her mm. to have this power. It's in the plot. Like, from the beginning? Yeah, like, it's happening. It's yeah. just they're kind of holding it back. I, I have a theory as to why they don't call it future vision. Mm. I feel like future vision is a shorthand for something that they know is not really accurate for what her power is. Because as we get further on and they do talk about her future vision, they talk about the fact that nothing she sees is a certainty. That it's... She sees the possibilities of where things could go. Yeah. And the likelihoods of those outcomes it's not strictly future vision it's like heightened probability outlook perception that's a really good point i hadn't really thought about it until you said it but future vision is more steven's interpretation that's what i was gonna say i think that's like the simplified like children friendly version of it so it's not that they're holding back on elaborating it's more that in their interpretation, it's just heightened perception. It's yeah. Stephen who sees it as future vision. Because that's basically what it is. For all intents and purposes, it usually means that Garnet is able to know what's going on. But as we know, it's not straight up future vision. Because like, a good example is that episode, if we skip away ahead, when Pearl is rebuilding the tower. And Garnet is trying to foresee Peridot doing it. Because she thinks yeah. it's Peridot doing mm. it. And she's not able to just be like, okay, what's the future? Oh, it's Pearl that, that was doing this. Mm-hmm. She is only able to look for what she's trying to see and perceive the likelihoods of things. Yeah. yeah. It, if it's... she's thinking of completely the wrong thing, she's just... It's not straight up like, this is the set of events that will be the future. Yeah, like it's not a science. It makes yeah. you think, isn't there... On one of the, uh, the more recent episodes, isn't there a moment where... They ask Sapphire if something is going to work, and she just says no. Yeah, she <laughs> says no, but, but let's try it anyway. It's, yeah, it's like it won't work, but maybe it will. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll get through all of the <laughs> low probability outcomes, and it will work. Yeah, I like that idea that mm-hmm. it's like a probability thing. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this probably isn't going to work, but like it's worth trying. It's not a certainty that it's not going to work. Yeah, it's like it might be like three percent. <laughs> like it's not going to happen. It's like three percent. But it is 3%. It might happen. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do like the idea that because it's not strictly future vision, that that's why they're referring to it as things like heightened perception. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's good. I, I had been seeing it as them holding back on elaborating, but that makes much more sense, yeah. actually. It's just yeah. that they're wording it in a way that makes sense to them. Um, 
so things that I thought were fun. Mm. Um, when they get to the arcade, Pearl getting to ride, drive <laughs> a car really fast and manage not to hit anything while driving really fast. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little just nod to uh, a bit later on in yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, have either of you got anything around that point in the episode you want to talk about? I have the, the first thing with Stephen and his squeaky cart. Mm. Um, he was saying that he was keeping stealth. Mm. Which was really funny because then he was walking around in like the T pose model, <laughs> and it was. But the thing I noticed is when he was falling, he still wanted to stay stealthy, mm. and he shouted, "Keeping stealth!" and put his arms back in the T position <laughs> rather than flailing around. Yeah. He's trying to do as he's told. He's trying so hard to be a, yeah. to, to be a gem properly. It is adorable. <laughs> and it was just like that was he really uh, kind of. He didn't think about himself in that way. He was still kind of like, oh, wait, I've still got to uh, keep yeah, like, Pearl happy. He, he doesn't want to disappoint Pearl. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be doing this. Look, I'm still doing it. Like, don't yell at me. Yeah. And another thing is um, Stephen spending money on the gems when he was at the arcade. Mm. Because, obviously, Stephen will have a finite amount of resources. Mm. And to kids, like, the smallest bit of money is a lot of money. Yeah. So for him to be willing to go and be like, it's okay, everything's on me. It is really sweet. It yeah. is like he knows that he he's not always helpful on missions, but it's like, hey, I can I can do this thing for all of you. Yeah. I found that really endearing because it's almost like Stephen saying, All this gem stuff that we've been doing is like your thing and your area of expertise. But the arcade, that's my area of expertise and it's like his you're all gonna enjoy mm-hmm. this, it's gonna be great, you do this, you do that. And it seems it's very kind of, it doesn't work and it's kind of heartbreaking that... It's it's kind of a theme we see in a few of this batch of episodes. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. Stephen trying to, to make the gems have a good time by introducing them to human things that he likes and it not really working out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But him continuing to try to be like, hey, these are the human things I like. Can we, can we try those? Because they're fun for me. Yeah. It honestly reminded me of being a kid. And being super into video games and trying to get my parents into video games. Or and just then, trying to engage them on, like, this is the thing I'm interested yeah, like, in. here's why I'm really excited about this. Can you look at it and understand why I find it exciting? Can we have a common ground here? Yeah, basically, yeah. Which is exactly what I tried to do as a kid. Yeah. Like, I tried to play, like, Sonic 2, uh, <laughs> like, with my dad and stuff. And was like, okay, this is what you do. This, you know, this is why it's really fun. And he just didn't get it. And I remember being kind of disappointed because that was the first thing that was kind of that I was an expert in. Yeah. And not being able to kind of have that connection was disappointing. Fun side anecdote. This is why I was really excited when my mum got into Pokemon Go. Because Pokemon was that thing for me growing up where I was like, (laughs) ah, you know, this is the thing I know and I want my parents to understand and they didn't get. My mum now is like, oh yeah, I know what a Psyduck is now. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Took some time, which finally got there. She got there eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to do the thing that I did last week uh, for a different character this time. This is the bit bit where I talk about character presenting autistic spectrum uh, (laughs) little signs that are probably unintentional, but just... I observed. Do and we I, need like a, a jingle for this? Do we need the jingle that's like, this character might have an autistic spectrum condition. <laughs> I, need, I need a better jingle. That, that's a very wordy jingle. <laughs> um, it's autistic spectrum chat. Woo. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about Garnet. Is this where you expect yeah, me to okay, go to Garnet? I, I'm curious to hear what you think. Okay, so initial thing is Amethy- uh, is Garnet taking things very literally. Like, okay, how do you win this game? You punch, you punch it, and she punches <laughs> it because two no win. Okay, so literal understanding of rules. It's a common trait across the gems anyway. Um, but. What I found interesting was the obsessive focus on the thing that she was good at, where it's, I've started doing the thing, and I haven't finished yet, I need to obsessively keep going, and everything gets shut out, and it's just the the thing that I'm in the middle of doing, and I need to do the thing, I can't stop focusing on the mm. thing that I'm doing. Yeah. Well, she even blocks out Stephen. Yeah. Like, Stephen is like, we need you, and it's, it's kind of just like... I, I have become obsessed with this thing that involves pattern recognition, and I'm doing the thing, and I can't stop because I'm not done with it. Yeah, well, Stephen even mm. turns the game off, and she turns it back on, and yeah. just continues... Yeah, she finds a way to turn it back on and keeps going. It's yeah. the... Like, she doesn't say, why did you turn it off? It's just focused yeah. on, yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to be doing the thing. And I'm like, this is probably not an intentional thing, but I find it interesting that, like, multiple batches of episodes, it's like, oh, there's some there's some recognisable trait. Okay, okay, we're, yeah. we're gone. Well, I mean, it, do either of you have, a, a, like, an alternate, alternate explanation for that scene? Because honestly, I don't have one. I, I have a conflicting point with how it ends that suggests that it probably wasn't an intentional thing. Okay. And it's the fact that when the machine is eventually destroyed... Garnet's just fine. Okay, that, yeah, she's not that, in any way she's not in any, Yeah, she's not in any way distressed that I can't finish doing the thing. It's just, okay, it's done. Okay, and that, yeah. That would be my argument that it probably wasn't an intentional thing because if you're going to follow that particular set of traits and make a deliberate homage, there would probably have to be some kind of I am not responding well to the fact you broke it. Yeah, like, it's not finished yet. Yes, and, like, some kind of conversation where Stephen has to potentially talk down Garnet would have been a closer for that. Yeah. Where it's like, no, it's okay, look, it's done, you know, let's go on. That might have been... If if something like that had happened, I'd have accepted, yeah, this was maybe a deliberate attempt. I just found it an interesting observation, so... It's thick apart, yeah. So, other things in this episode. One thing that I did notice about Garnet playing that game is that she was using her future vision in order to progress in the game. Because mm. it was her top middle eye, which is the Sapphire's yeah, future vision eye, that was eye tracking playing. everything. Yeah. Like, it was moving around and changing colours with the different um, movements of the game. Yeah. Mm. So, she was clearly... Uh, she had an advantage on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the impression I get is that... And I feel like Stephen's supposed to have worked this out from Pearl's conversation about the heightened perception. Is like, oh, she has a special power where she can see what's probably going to happen. And probably with a video game, you could probably, if you had that level of heightened perception, see a pattern emerge and be like, mm-hmm. Just this is how it's going to yeah. go. Yeah. Um... Yeah, she's definitely she's definitely using the future vision powers, and I assume it's something akin to like I can imagine being able to easily predict things and keep going would be an easy road to fall down. Like, oh, let's just keep yeah, going just down keep the, going, the, the probability path. Yeah, and I that's think, where I see it. I think it might be another thing as well about how um, that is what sapphires were made for. Because, mm. like, the the song that Yellow Diamond sings, 
when it says a sapphire has a use, she will tell you what it's for. That's true. Yeah. Because they are meant to be around purely to predict things. Yes. They they are designed to be like, I'm going to show you this thing. Tell me what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's what happened is Stephen put Garnet in front of the game and was like, you're supposed to predict predict what's going to happen and match the outcomes. Okay. And that's potentially a sapphire doing what they're told, which is you're told to do something, predict and keep doing the predictive task that you're told. So essentially, she gets stuck in an infinite loop because yes. by doing that, the game is continuing to give her like another turn. Yeah, another, another turn, prediction. And it goes on forever. Yeah, which is interesting. Like, it's interesting quite how much of obedient Sapphire is there in the right... Yeah. Like, when the right mm. situation comes up. Um, I thought it was really sweet that Stephen still tried to beat her at the game, having seen the eye, knowing she had a uh, heightened perception, and knowing, oh, Garnet specifically has powers that are helping her here, which I definitely don't have. I'm still going to try. Yeah, That's very, very Stephen, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a lot of tenacity. Yeah. Well, like you said, I've never seen anyone get that far. And yeah. yeah, he tries anyway. He's like, He's... but maybe I can. Let's have a go. It's a very human trait to yeah. be like, I know I can't win. I'm going to try anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the thing that's like, oh, this is what makes humanity great in media about other species or mm. races. Do we have anything else on 11? Um, I was surprised by how stupid Stephen is when Amethyst says... Um, you have to slam your face yeah. into the bowl of cereal. <laughs> I think he just trusts her way too much. So, oh, Garnet gave you this mission. You have to, to slam your face into cereal. He's like, okay. Yeah. Did I stop the giant foot? <laughs> there's no giant foot. Not anymore, there's not. <laughs> the foot that he invented and yes. came up with. Yeah. Is she fighting a giant foot? <laughs> One thing that I found interesting about the gems at the arcade is that um, like Garnet was too strong, so her trait in which she was usually best at Mm. it was what they are usually best at is the reason it wasn't working for them pearl normally keeps her calm and the fact that it was telling that she her that she was terrible for doing what you are supposed to do on a game like Like, because she didn't realize like the rules of the game and obviously garlic breaking everything because she's she's strong that's what she's good at and then Amethyst being really laid back and taking the easiest route yeah. is what essentially ruined it all for him because they were doing what they are good at doing. Yeah, I yeah. didn't think that was a good point. That's a yeah. good point. Like, Stephen didn't put them in the places that they were necessarily best suited. He chose very surface-level reasons to yeah. pick the games he did for them, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all I've got for episode 11. The only other thing I had, which is something I went back and added, is it's mentioned quickly in this one that Onion has lots of tickets. We later see Onion stealing tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the reason he has so many is because he goes to the arcade and just steals them. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. One thing that I found really funny is, um, like, even though, like, at the beginning, Stephen made a point to try and be really kind of calm and responsible... Like, when one of those monster things jumps up out of the sand and grabs hold of him, he screams and starts circling his arms and flailing around and chucks it in the air. <laughs> I'm just like, so, he's still very uh, 
kind of Stephen there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, ah, it's got me. <laughs> um, so next up on our list is episode 12, Giant Woman. Uh, who wants to pick a place to start on Giant Woman? I didn't have as many notes for this as I expected, but I believe you do. So do you want to begin? I, I have quite a lot. So um, first of all, I really like the invention of water balloon checkers. <laughs> Just side note, I really like the idea of hot sunny day water balloon checkers. I think that's cute. Um, hey, we have a back garden. That's our next sunny day thing. <laughs> so, question. Have we... Okay, we know, we know, even though the show hasn't talked about it, that Garnet is a fusion. Mm-hmm. Let's put that aside. Have we had fusion as a concept acknowledged yet? I don't believe so. I believe Opal is the first time we get a conversation about fusion. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the things we get are consistent through how fusion is shown through the rest of the show. So, Opal, she's a giant woman. Um, you know, the two of us, when we're in the right mood and we're good together and we're both in harmony, we can become one bigger person. We fuse our strengths and attributes and numbers of limbs and whatnot. And Stephen's straight away on board with Fusion. He's like, Fusion, this is really cool. Um, what I think is really interesting is we don't see Garnet's reaction to this. Garnet is deliberately not around yep. for the yeah. conversation about Fusion. It's Stephen, who does not know that Garnet's a Fusion, getting very, very, very excited, being like, ah, Fusion, that's great, that's wonderful. <clears throat> I think Garnet would have loved that conversation. Yeah. She'd have loved to see that happen. <laughs> I think it is deliberate that they put her out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To kind of to be true to her character in that situation, she can't be there without kind of giving yeah. it away. Well, there's that and there's also like Stephen might have turned to me and like, have you ever done fusion? <laughs> you <laughs> know, there are ways that that surprise could have been ruined if Garnet had been around. Mm. Um, I did think it was notable that clearly by Stephen not knowing what fusion is, there haven't been any reasons to fusion mm. in Stephen's memory at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the last like, well, like, decade or so the threats they've dealt with are obviously not been fusion level unless I thought you meant like well, an hour time for a second i was just like so even universe haven't been going that long what are you talking about very long series we have 10 years worth of episodes to get um, so my addendum to that is it's possible there were fusion level enemies that just weren't around the temple I can understand. They that. could have gone somewhere else and fought something requiring fusion, but they've obviously not done it around Stephen. Mm. Um, so, really sweet little moment we had was um, Garnet gets back from the mission that she's gone on solo, and Stephen asks, "Did you bring me anything?" She gives him a rock. Yay, a rock! <laughs> I I think there's a bit of him that just. It doesn't matter what it is, he likes to know he's being thought about. Yes, yeah. definitely. And it's that idea of like, oh, like the parent thought of me while they were away yeah. and I wasn't there. Which, considering some of the stuff in the recent episodes we've seen yeah. mm-hmm. with Stephen feeling alone and left out and isolated, I can see how you thought of me and brought me a rock from somewhere. It's a comforting. He also yeah. seems to hang on to things that people have gotten for him. Mm. Yes. Again, we get that which in is in future episodes. episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very sentimental about this person thought about me and gave me this thing, and this thing now represents someone's feelings for yeah, me. Absolutely, because mm-hmm. it's what number is it? It's fifteen. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about that a mm-hmm. lot, I imagine. Um, I like Stephen's quest. Some of Stephen's questions about fusion. 
he basically asks if it works like a Megazord at one point, where, like, does one of you control the arm and one control the leg? <laughs> like a mech. Yeah, I like the thought of it being, is it like a mech, where it's like, okay, we've got to be in, in unison. Yeah. Like a three-legged race. Just sort of climb on top of each other. <laughs> um, Stephen, Stephen's attempts to get them to fuse are kind of adorable. Mm. My favourite being... Look out, it's a magical goat guardian. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, not much to say about just... It's, yeah, it's, it's Stephen being goofy and silly to try and get what he wants. Yeah, like, I found out this thing exists. I want to see it now, like, immediately. Yeah. Now, 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 yeah. now, now. <laughs> That's like me. I was doing that today when I wanted to go outside. <laughs> yeah, now, 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 now. Um, one thing that I have written is... Um, one thing that Amethyst says to Pearl is you're no fun anymore. Mm. So when was Pearl fun? Like, she has always been quite uptight. I don't know. She was kind of fun when when Rose was around. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. yeah. That, the mic drop moment's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. She was fun in the period where Rose was around and she could fantasise about Rose. She was a lot less... I feel like a lot of her wanting to be in control came around after Rose wasn't around anymore and she had the responsibility of being the new de facto responsible person. Yeah, like, now it's my job. Now I'm yes. mom. Yeah, I think of, it's yeah. also kind of um, having a fear of losing someone else mm. because in order to gain Stephen, she lost Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of her, like, let's be organised and careful now is because she doesn't want to lose someone again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Cause they were a team for hundreds of years, yeah. and then they weren't. One of them was gone. I think it is, you're waving your finger. I just had a thought. <laughs> Have a um, thought. <laughs> it also matches up with a later episode when Greg is singing, it might be like a comet, where, the, where they fuse. Mm. Because in this episode, she says, Pearl says to Stephen, we only fuse for deadly situations. Oh, good point. She she fused with Rose just to show off in front of Greg. Yeah, Yeah. I I wrote in my notes, we only fuse for deadly situations is a blatant lie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I, I find that interesting and I don't know what the reasoning is for... Like, the only thought I had is, Maybe she now only fuses for deadly situations because yeah. the person she would want to fuse with for fun is no longer around. Yeah, I could see that. Like, mm. she doesn't get anything out of being Opal, no. but she did get something out of being with Ross. Well, and we yeah. do we do see later she does get something out of being Sardonyx as exactly. well. Yeah. Like, for the most part, she now doesn't really feel like she gets anything out of fusion. It's functional, it does the job. You know, it's nice while it lasts, but that's fine. Yeah. It's not something she's desperate for. It's like, yeah, only if we really have to. Yeah, if we need it, we can do it. Yeah, it's... I feel like that for Pearl, there probably was a time where she didn't think that way, but now she's probably like, fusion, it's a tool and it's useful. Mm. It also feels very exclusionary towards Garnet, though. Because Garnet is a fusion. Yeah, that's she doesn't really acknowledge that, does no, she? No, she doesn't. Like, she just says we only fuse for deadly situations. She doesn't. Like, it feels like maybe rather than we only fuse for deadly situations, it should I, be I only yeah. fuse for deadly yeah. situations. Or it could be we only fuse referring to 
pearl and amethyst. Yeah, not we the crystal gem. Yeah, Yeah. it it, it might not be the collective, it could just be pearl and amethyst only fuse for deadly situations because they're not really designed for fusion. Mm. Yeah, they're they're not very compatible as uh, gems. I feel like we're having a conversation a bit like the last Jedi, is it singular or plural (laughs) conversation? It's one of those like, here's a word that could mean many things. Yeah. Depending on it, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's, that's what it, that's the one actually I like is the thought mm-hmm. that it might just be Pearl and Amethyst we those yeah. two don't fuse unless it's a I deadly situation so, yeah. um, so Giant Woman is the first proper song we get in the show mm. like the big musical numbers that everyone remembers I feel like Giant Woman 12 episodes in is the first time we really get a like here is a catchy memorable lengthy song that is progressing the plot and talking about a characterization moment and gets its big point at the end. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it, I feel that it's quite a surprise when it comes on. It's not really set up. Like you don't see in there. Like there is an earlier episode when Steve is bringing the ukulele with him. He yeah. doesn't make a thing to bring it mm-hmm. with him here. He just kind of breaks into song all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah, yeah. Like it's. It's not trying to say that this is a song that he just stops and sings and then it's done, but he's clearly is verbalising it in universe. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of vague, I think, is this one, whether it's actually taking place or whether it's kind of a more of a thematic thing. I, I feel like it's a thematic thing up until the end where he's like, they're walking up to the temple and yeah. he's like, all I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman. Ah. <laughs> Which is all sweet. Um, it is. Uh, I do like I do like Giant Woman as a song. Yeah, as a song, like, I, think I really like. It's yeah. it's really easy to forget about at this point because it's not, it's not as the mat- as narratively important as some of the other songs later yeah. on. It doesn't deliver much plot information. It just kind of it goes along with what we've already yeah. kind of heard, which it's, is Stephen really wants to diffuse. Yeah, that it's narrating nice. what we know and have seen rather than progressing the plot. Yeah, it's not revealing anything new. But I forgot how much I liked it until I heard it in context again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, if people are fighting and non-harmonious, they can't fuse, as we see from the squabbles between Amethyst and Pearl. Yeah. Anyone got anything to add well, on this? <laughs> obvious first allusion to fusion being a relationship. Yeah. Like, if they're fighting, they're not getting it's... along, the fusion, the relationship doesn't yeah. work. You've yeah. got to be having a conversation on the same page... You yeah. have to be in some form of harmony. You can't force this to work. Mm. Like, they have to see each other as equals. No one has more power in a fusion. It's completely even. Mm. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've written down is just that Amethyst does a really vulgar dance the first time they have to fuse, yeah, and it doesn't work. That. Because I think what Amethyst is trying to do is to annoy Pearl there. Yeah, and I that'll be one of the reasons that it didn't work. I am a bit disappointed we don't see the dance that does work. Yeah, I'm just I, kind of like, I want to see what did work well, between them. I'm also having the thought, though, I don't think we've seen Opal really since. We occasionally get bits of Opal, but mm. we've not seen a dance and fusion into Opal really no, I can't since. recall one, no. Um, so I had a couple of thoughts. I think think it's really interesting that the first time we see fusion in action that we're aware of it starts as multiple like more hands than you expect it's like scary huge hands punching through the walls of a creature yeah it's portrayed as overwhelming powerful unexpected slightly inhuman 
for a few seconds. Yeah, it's interesting because Opal as a character is seen as quite graceful and mm. quite beautiful. But her first appearance is, like you say, it's fists punching through the insides of the creature. It's kind of... And Stephen's like, what, what's yeah. going on? What is this? It's It can be scary until you realise what it is and then you're like, oh, that's actually not so scary after all. Yeah. Possibly an allusion to homosexual relationships. <laughs> yeah. Scary until you realise that it's just two women that yeah, are now together. Exactly. <laughs> Um, one thing that <laughs> potentially interesting thing that I also noticed the first time I ever watched this episode, which is that the giant bird is full of bubble gems, mm. and they are like pink coloured bubble gems, like pink or red coloured, and it made me think that maybe this whole thing, like this entire like episode and the adventure they go on, could be a test set by Garnet. Mm, I could see that. Just because she conveniently can't be there as she has to do something that only she can do. Because she says, like, well, it's under the lava and I'm the only person who can do it, so you guys go do that, I'll go do this. Yeah, because she specifically sends them on this mission and she goes on her own alone. But at the end of the episode, it doesn't seem there was any rush. Yeah. When they have the two beetles, she just pops them in a little um, like mm-hmm. pet container and just bubbles it away. Yeah. So I think she could have gone on there yeah. if she wanted. It could have been, yeah. I'll go do the, the whole beetle thing, and then when I get back, we'll all go do yeah, the other one. Mm-hmm. Because she does say to Stephen, keep the harmony. Yeah, I feel like part of this is like, hey, you, you've been learning about fusion, just Get get them sorted. Make sure that yeah. they can do that still and that they're okay. I, I see it as like mm-hmm. kind of like it's good for everyone going. Like it mends this rift that's going on between Pearl and Amethyst, and it kind of introduces fusion to Stephen. Yeah, Stephen seems to be very good at getting Pearl to get along with other people. Like in the future, there are multiple times where like Pearl is not getting along with someone. I think Stephen is good at getting. Everyone to get yeah. along with each other. I, I think, think that's, that's his it. strength. It's empathy. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's able to understand where other people kind of are coming yeah. from and kind of make them, like, help them find a middle ground and kind of so mend that rift. Stephen's, like, um, you know, mutant power in the X Men universe <laughs> is that he's an empath. Basically. But he's basically yeah. an empath. Um, so the first time we see fusion, a big part of how it's presented is. Fusions become overwhelmingly powerful and in control and know mm-hmm. what they're doing and are just like, we are on this. Which yeah. I think is interesting considering that up until this point, Garnet has been portrayed as the in control, powerful, yeah. on top of things de facto leader. Definitely. Because she's a fusion. Yeah. Um, I think it's really sweet at the end when we get we get that little nugget of information that a fusion is still the two component people hmm. with those shared memories shared knowledge it's still them from opal singing that little line of song back to steven it's yeah. such a sweet way to tell us like oh this is still pearl and amethyst they're just together now yeah, yeah. It's, it's the whole to see us turn into a giant woman <laughs> it's like oh that's so cute yeah it's it's explaining that she remembers everything. She knows who Stephen yes. is. She has kind of their affection and their memories towards him. She's not. Although she is her own 
person, she's not an entirely new person that's never yes. met Stephen before. Which is also one thing that's interesting for when Stephen learns that Garnet is a fusion. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, you're a fusion. <laughs> and she's kind of like, oh yeah, I didn't want you to meet us like this. Yeah, because they, they do use the language like, he is meeting Ruby and Sapphire for the first time. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, despite still being... Like, two people, they are also one person. Yeah, Ruby and Sapphire definitely both know Stephen already, but, like, that's different to them having actually met. Um, Mm. The thing, I wanted to quote a couple of lines from Stronger Than You in reference to the the, the whole fusion thing in this episode, which is, I I am more than the two of them. Everything they care about is what I am. am. Yeah. Which feels like a pretty good summation of what we got with Opal here with the, like... Yeah, it's those. It is those two people. It's also something ethereal, something more. Mm. It's you know everything they care about, including Stephen, is still there, but there is something more on top. Yeah, it's like the best qualities of both of them. Yeah, something. and another line from well, uh, Stronger Than You: "I am a conversation," yeah. which I think is one of the reasons that Amethyst and Pearl couldn't fuse at first. Yeah, because they wouldn't like communicate properly what their issues were and that created a dynamic that just wasn't stable enough i did just want to pick up on something that mia said where it's the best qualities of both not necessarily always because as we Mm. see with uh smoky quartz you can amplify bad qualities (laughs) in a fusion such as insecurity yeah (laughs) so it's convenient that what we saw was the best qualities coming out, but it can enhance the worst in both of them, given the right scenarios. Yeah, that's true. I would agree. So It does make me wonder, what would <clears throat> what would the fusion be between the two of them if it was the worst qualities? Because what we kind of get in Opal is well, it's confidence, it's grace. Well, I feel like it would still be Opal, but if Opal's put in the wrong situation, we might see like, oh, this is a shared negative attribute that both of these characters have. I don't know um, what like, shared negatives well, do just, they have. For instance, both of them can be quite arrogant. Yeah. I'm wondering, is, I'd love to see more of Opal to see, does she have these like negative qualities as well? Does she have kind of the arrogance that kind mm. of comes from Pearl and Amethyst at times? Well, we see a bit of it with Sardonyx when Sardonyx eventually turns up um, yeah. on the, the Smoky Quartz thing where she's very focused on like better 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 you can be better you can be better you're you know that sort of shared thing of like no you need to do better than you're doing between pearl and garnet definitely is amplified and caused problems yeah so like we've seen examples here and there of characters having negative traits get worse when they fuse mm. um i guess then it's not so much it takes the best qualities it's more that it it's more it like it of... takes the strongest qualities. Mm. Yeah, and it makes them... I'm trying to think of the right word. Like, exaggerates the qualities, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the only other thing I had on my list was just... I like that nod at the end to Stephen suddenly just, just unfoundedly <laughs> being told he can fuse. Yeah, can it really casually says... <laughs> Wait, I can do that too? Because she says something about like, oh, um, 
I can't remember what she says. Something like, you'll like it too, or... Yeah, yeah right. wait till you fuse, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, wait till you can do it, or something like that. Yeah, and the feeling I get of why Garnet's saying that is she's probably future-visioned a bit and being like, it, yeah. if Stephen tried to fuse, what would happen? Eh, it would probably work out. It seems to me that she's saying, like, I know you are going to fuse someday. Yeah. That much I can be sure of. Yeah. Don't know when or how it's going to happen, but yeah, mm. you fusing feels like it's going to happen. One thing that I noticed is that the chest gem on um, Opal is rainbow-coloured. Like, each side has a different colour. Mm. And I just thought that was really cool. Well, that's cool. That seems almost like um, a nod to rainbow quartz yeah. as well, which obviously involves pearl as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Opal's a nice rainbow... They have a nice rainbow sheen to them, mm-hmm. pearls. Um, and we got anything else on 12, or shall we move on? And just kind of final comment. I like the which is what we see a lot of later on, as soon as there's something that Amethyst as an individual and Pearl as an individual disagree with, that's when the fusion breaks and that's when Opal breaks down, which is when yeah. Garnet says, okay, do you have the beetle? And then Opal's like, oh, I don't have it. And immediately when she realizes she doesn't have it, Amethyst They both want to blame each other and that tears them apart. So as soon as they kind of disagree and it's like, oh, it's your fault, they're not in, in harmony anymore, they're not yeah. in sync. Which is similar to when Ruby and Sapphire disagree over Pearl's behaviour. That's what breaks down. Yeah, yeah. and when um, Sardonyx breaks down, it's because she realises, oh no, we've we've upset these yeah. two, we've caused a problem. We were terrible, we did the wrong thing, they both panic and break up. Yeah. Yeah, That's. I think that's definitely interesting. So... Uh, from there, we're going to move on to episode 13, So Many Birthdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to start us off on So Many Birthdays? Well, this, it's, as you mentioned before, it's it's very similar to the arcade in that this is Stephen saying, this is this thing that I really like, birthdays, really fun, really awesome. He's horrified by the revelation that the gems don't celebrate birthdays. Yeah. So he applies what he sees has been really fun birthdays to them. Mm. trying to kind of apply what, as a human, he enjoys to them, and they do not get it at all. Yeah. Um, a lot of the reason why the gems don't seem to get birthdays is they take everything very literally, <laughs> and this is the thing that comes up time and time again, they take everything literally, and again, I'm going to bring up the, the autistic spectrum thing. Pearl, when a joke is made that involves Pearl, and she's like, I didn't do that thing, why are you telling... Like, she doesn't see the pun. She mm. sees the setup and is like, no, I didn't do that. Why Why are you saying I yeah. did? When Stephen yeah. says, this is what Pearl did, Pearl's, Pearl just sees that as an incorrect statement, and is like, yes. I didn't do that. Why would you Why would you lie? That's, a, that's not a nice thing to yeah, say. Yeah, like, there's no addressing of the punchline of the pun... Mm. It's just not a thing that, like, she fixates on hearing her own name and panics of, like, wait, why are you saying this? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah. Also, th- we see reference to the old-timey gems that have been around for hundreds of yes, years. Yes, we do. It's it's something that, like, that boat in particular, they're on the boat, they're on yeah. the old-timey clothes. We kind of see that in a way later on with the Maya Dewey's... Um, ancestor yeah who yeah. discovered the town well that's what I was wondering is because it looks from that that still like that yeah. is what we're seeing I is so, yeah. like them coming over to basically America being mm. colonists and whatnot <laughs> yeah I just like that they looked kind of steampunky as well 
I like all of them. It's the same really cool. outfit we see them in later when it's like old timey so. gem yeah. outfits. I think it's the same outfits. Or very similar at least. Yeah, it seems to be it's supposed to be the same time period, I think. Yeah. I noticed that Garnet was at the front, that was my main thing. Yeah, Garnet kind of is like leading the It's boat. almost the you know, the famous um, Washington painting crossing <laughs> yes. the river. He's the one kind of like high up and like yeah. the one commanding presence. That's it was the very role crossing that, the Delaware. Yeah, that's the role that Garnet has. And speaking there. of Washington, it's uh, his birthday soon. When we are recording this episode. When, when's Washington's birthday? Washington It's the same as Mia. <laughs> yes. Oh. I share a birthday with George Washington. Okay. Well, to be fair, because of the way we record these podcasts, like, out of time order, uh, Washington's birthday will have been a while ago. <laughs> Probably. It will have been, like, two or three weeks ago by the time you hear this. Yeah. We're coming to you from the past. Oh, oh no. no. For all we know, Washington came back to life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... This episode gets kind of dark. It's another one of those ones where it's surprisingly like, oh, this is a child facing some pretty adult issues. We have Mm. confronting maturity as a loss of childhood, not just an increase in positives. Yeah. Like, you know, growing up isn't just getting all of these new things that you can do. It's also, I can't do these things I used to be able to and I have to discard my childhood to grow up. It takes a goofy idea, which is like, oh no, Stephen keeps aging and getting older, but it's like, oh, and his perspective on life becomes more depressing. Yeah, it becomes really bleak. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a look at the depressing progression of time, the terrors of adulthood. Um, What I liked was that it was very clearly not Stephen becoming an adult. It was still a child playing playing adult mm. mm-hmm. as shown by that scene where he walks in the t-shirt shop and he's looking for jobs <laughs> it's just he has no con- he's clearly not been prepared for human adulthood yeah he's been prepared for life as a gem he's like 14 and he's like oh love doctor ooh too squeamish <laughs> yeah not for me can't no. do that no I gotta be professional beach hunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah it- I, I completely agree. There's a big difference between the idea of Stephen becoming an adult and his idea of this is what I will be like when I am an adult and that's what we're getting. Yeah. I think it's also a thing of not being able to be true to who he is. Mm. In the the gems, specifically Garnet, he didn't actually like react really negatively until Garnet, who said, we think this is for human children. And uh, Stephen was yeah. kind of like... The birthday party. Yeah, yeah, with the birthday parties. And I think with Stephen, that was... He, I think he took it as an insult, kind of like... Yeah, you, like, you are acting like a child and not like, like a gem like, should act. Yeah, yeah. And then, am I not a crystal gem then? Because I'm liking these silly childhood yeah. things that you're not liking. It's, I think that is a, a kind yeah. of disconnect. Him, him learning to be one of the gems is definitely a progression towards adulthood responsibility and learning to be part of a team of adults Mm. whereas he he suddenly realizes wait a second is my interest in childish things holding me back here yeah it's almost like he wants to get rid of the human interest he has so that he can not disappoint the gems it's a recurring theme the let's discard my human side so that i'll be more gem and it's a again the thing of staying true to himself like he isn't like a human and he's not like a gem he's something in between mm. but because he's so new 
it's, it's such like a new concept that people don't know how to treat him, either humans or gems. Yeah. Because they're both treating him the way they treat their Yeah, others. and that perfectly ties in with the end of the episode where he's kind of cured and goes back to normal when he stops trying and the gems stop trying and he just kind of explodes and stops thinking and acts like himself. Yeah. As soon as he acts like himself, that's when he's actually cured. <laughs> um, my my favourite attempt to cure Stephen... Garnet shaking him. <laughs> I thought violence would be the answer. <laughs> that did make me laugh. I think that's my favourite line in the episode. <laughs> it's adorable. One, um, one thing that I liked as well is the way that he starts getting younger. Like, it feels almost as if it's because he... Because doesn't he tell them to shut up? Yeah. Or something, it, and it feels like he's kind of like, oh, I shouldn't talk to grown ups like that, and yeah. that makes him it's, feel younger. Yeah. yeah, it's he's it's that whole point of him still definitely being a child playing at being an adult, and the child part of him, it's like, oh no, I said something rude to adult, yeah. ah, ah. <laughs> and he sort of shrinks in and yeah. becomes childish again because that's still mm-hmm. a thing for him. What thing I was thinking about watching this that I didn't the first time around but did because of all our insightful conversation in the episodes, is this reminded me of Catfingers. Mm. Because what happens here is Stephen is doing a kind of gem power in transforming, but because he's human, it's not an illusion and not light. It's actually his physical body is changing and growing older. He's physically weaker by looking older. Mm -hmm. Because obviously gems can transform into different things and it doesn't change kind of their abilities. But your like, age isn't real and your body's yeah. an illusion. Yeah, exactly. But like like the cat fingers, which were real, yeah. Stephen's body's real. It's actually aging. Which eventually, I think, is going to be a big, powerful thing for him, is that he can physically create things when he changes himself, and that could be a real benefit to him. But Because yeah. um, I just think about if Stephen could change himself to be more muscular and because it's not just a light projection it would have an actual effect on him. Yeah, presumably he would actually be physically more powerful. But it is brought up at a later point when he's complaining that he hasn't grown that you Mm. can't hold a transformation. Yeah, it's the question of what consists a transformation, what is, like, what's the difference between, say, him trying to stretch his height out versus the cat fingers? I think, my interpretation at least, is that on the one you're talking about where he kind of, like, makes himself older, he has to work to hold it, but with the cat fingers and with this, it's unintentional. I think he has the potential to kind of create matter and, and change his body and everything. But he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. And that when he makes himself taller, I think he's doing his best to transform and he can't kind Yeah, of it, it seems more like a gem thing when he's stretching like that rather than... I think human. he has the potential to create permanent physical yeah. change. Like, he has the power to do yeah, that. But I don't think he knows If he how. tries to force it, it doesn't yeah, hold. Because I think the times here when he does it, it, it is an accident, really. Yes. Um, so, uh, what did I have? Um, I really like that Pearl is willing to go against some of her very core principles to try and save Stephen. Like, you see her crying about the fact she's about to smash a pie into her face and she still does it. Yeah. Because it's like, it's Stephen, he's very clearly worth it. But Mm. it's just this, like, I'm going to do the thing that's unthinkable for me. Yeah, she's... Because I want to help Stephen. (laughs) She is... The one who reacts the worst to what's going on, she 
completely panics. Oh, she's she just kind of breaks down. She's afraid yeah. of losing Rose again. Yeah. yeah. I think it is meant to be kind of like um, flashbacks almost. Yeah. It's like she's not emotionally over Rose leaving yet. And yeah, I just yeah. had a, I had a thought. I was thinking with Stephen being half human, if he did get old and couldn't necessarily change his age back, does that mean that he would get old and die? And if he did, would the gem then reform as Rose? Well, or would it reform as Stephen? Or oh, this, this would it the, just? This is the questions we've had because they the the fear from the gems is definitely he has a physical body. If he dies, like if he ages, does that mean he dies? Which I got the impression, yes, he would have died. Um, I don't know what happens with that gem. Like the my suspicion would be the gem is now a physical part of Stephen. It probably stays a physical part of Stephen. I don't see it, like, popping off of him when he dies. And it probably dies with him. Like, I imagine at this point it's a physical part of Stephen that... I was thinking that, but I was also... die with Stephen. Yeah, like, I was thinking that, but I was considering, like, surely, like, after he's kind of decomposed away, this is very dark, <laughs> I know, but, um, like, Stephen. and it's just, like, the gem in the earth. Surely it would then reform. I, I think it. what we're really talking about is what is Stephen's gem. Is mm. Stephen's gem exactly the same as it was when the gem was Rose and Rose's gem? And or does Stephen, it have humans' properties? Yeah, and, and Stephen's kind of like a baby that's formed around the gem and is for now connected to it. Or did the gem actually transform partly into Stephen and Stephen and the gem are basically one thing? That's the impression I got, is that they are now symbiotically one physical thing, mm. and that the gem probably ceases to work now without Stephen. Yeah. That's the impression I got, is that Stephen and that gem are physically one being. It's it's not a gem that happens to be on Stephen. It's part of Stephen's physical body that's intrinsically linked to him, and I feel like that's a two-way street at this point. I am not sure what I think, honestly. Like, I could see it going either way. I think you make what? a good point, but <laughs> mm. I, it, it is Rose's I... gem, and we've seen gems can survive a lot. Like, I'm, I don't know that... I don't, I don't see what? Rose just kind of popping back to like, aha, I'm free well, at last of Stephen. The <laughs> reason I don't feel like the showrunners are... Tr- I feel like the showrunners are trying to suggest that's not the way it works... Mm. Is that episode where the gem late much later on when the gems steal baby Steven and Pearl's yeah. urge is to remove the gem to get Rose back and it's no, this is Steven now. I can't pull this thing out and just hope that everything will go back to how it was. That's mm. not how this works. And I get the impression they're trying to imply like removing this gem would not only kill Steven, it probably wouldn't bring Rose back. Yeah, I could see that. Like, uh, At least I feel like that's the, the direction that the showrunners are trying to mm, push it. Well, like, I have been wondering, like, for a long time, like, are they going to do the moment when Stephen is able to talk to actually well, Rose? With episode 120 that we just saw without going into too many spoilers, that was my thought for a while during that episode was, is this in some way... Is Rose... Is Rose in that gem in such a way that Stephen can have an actual conversation with Rose? That he can maybe project Rose out from the gem? That Rose can 
exist in Stephen's presence or something, but not anywhere away from Stephen. Speaking of that room, I had another thought. You remember um, I mentioned last time that the house could be... Like inside the rooms in the temple, are you about it could to be a body. The, the rain. The or... the fact that it is all to do with imagination. Rose's room could be the brain. Oh yeah, I could see that the imagination room. That's a very good point. I thought you were going somewhere else, and we're going to start talking about a tangent of one twenty. But <laughs> um, no, that's a good point. Um, so anyway, back to so many birthdays. Do we have any of oh? I did like the line, uh, will you help me into my birthday suit? <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. she chases him out with a stool. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's all I've got to say on this. It was just an interesting look at a child mm-hmm. terrified about the realities of physical ageing. Mm-hmm. One tiny comment I have. Um, is this the first time that we hear that Stephen's middle name is Quartz? Yeah, mm. I've got that written yes. as well. I forgot about that. So did I. Um, it is the first acknowledgement of Quartz as a middle name. Yeah. So he, he legally has Rose and Greg's kind of name in his name. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, is, which nice. is nice. Also, I like Wackerman Junior and regular adult Wackerman. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, so episode fourteen from here, Lars and the Cool Kids. Um, so the first thing that came up to me when they're talking about Rose at the beginning of this episode, Rose saw the good in everything. My question. Did she see the good in Pink Diamond? Mm, that's good. I didn't think you were going in that direction. No, that's the direction <laughs> I'm going. Is I feel like like we're told like at, at the beginning of the show we are definitely given a picture of Rose where it is. Rose is perfect and good, and she was altruistic to a fault. She saw the good in everything, and mm. everything was perfect. But we know that she didn't see the good in Bismuth because she bubbled Bismuth and hid her away. Didn't even tell the other gems what had happened to her. Mm. We know that, or at least we're being told in later episodes that she shattered Pink Diamond. Like, clearly there are examples where she doesn't see the best in people. I have a thought on that, which is Mm. based on something you said, Retta, which is, I believe you said this. I'm grinning. I like the idea that I inspired (laughs) thoughts. Um, (laughs) You said at some point, what if, Rose didn't shatter Pink Diamond. Mm. Bismuth shattered Pink Diamond. And Rose didn't want the Crystal Gems to think badly of Bismuth. So quietly took Bismuth aside, Mm -hmm. bubbled her and was like, I shattered her and unfortunately Bismuth is gone. Because Rose Rose preferred the idea of the Crystal Gems kind of lowering their kind of lofty opinion of Rose rather than lowering their opinion of Bismuth. Because when Bismuth comes back, I know we're jumping ahead, but yeah. they are absolutely ecstatic to see Bismuth. They, yeah, they, they have wonderful. no idea about it's, the So I could see Rose thing. wanting to protect their wonderful vision of Bismuth. Is, is it a case of she didn't see the best in Bismuth, but she wanted other people to see the best in yeah. Bismuth Yeah, That's kind of what I'm getting at. So I yeah. do wonder, my roundabout way of saying it, maybe Rose didn't shatter Pink Diamond after all? I think that's very possible. The only thing I have thinking there is we keep seeing so many pieces of art depicting her shattering Pink Diamond that it feels like it was probably a moment that was witnessed at a battlefield Possibly, and that's yeah. why there's so much art came out of it. But it I could know. also just be the thing of telling stories. Yeah, mm. it's entirely like, possible. With hieroglyphics, I doubt they were trying to uh, do it as it happened. 
Possibly. I could see it going either way. It's, yeah. it's a theory. It, it just depends on the One of the thoughts, see... Ooh, carry on. <laughs> the line about Rose saw the beauty in everything, and notice Pearl also adds on the end, no matter how gross... My mm. thought was, is she Greg. talking about Greg? I thought mm-hmm. she was talking about Greg. <laughs> like, yeah, Greg is kind of gross and weird, but somehow Rose saw the best in him, so... Yeah. I, I, that's where I jumped as well. Mm. Honestly, Pearl seems kind of disgusted at most things human. I think yeah. Stephen is the exception rather than the rule, and that she's kind of like, you are partially Rose and therefore... She, she likes the Earth in concept. She doesn't like a lot of the practicalities of Earth. Yeah, I think what we see through the series is that Pearl is the least kind of... The least interested in integrating with Earth and learning mm. its customs and learning more about it. She seems to just be like, yeah, it's all kind of silly, this kind of stuff. Yeah. While Amethyst embraces the Earth, she was born there, and Garnet's kind of in the middle. It reminds me of the, um, int- the introns season two. When it says the reasons that they will fight oh, for Earth yeah. and Amethyst, it's for the land she was made in. It's everything Do she's ever known. Yeah. And um, Garnet is, I will fight for the place where I'm free to the, live together and exist as me. Yeah. But Pearl's is, I will fight in the name of Rose Quartz and everything that she believed in. Yeah, well, Rose liked this, so I guess... It's not for herself. She's doing it for for her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is is a thing we've never seen really properly addressed by Rose is Mm -hmm. that she doesn't really seem to have her own motivations beside, Mm -hmm. I want to do what... Like, I loved Rose. I want to do what Rose wanted. Yeah, it's the whole do it for her. I'm not doing it for me, like... You need to become she's, a tool of this person. She's going to have to deal with that at some point. Yeah, but... definitely. Yeah, and, and in that song, um, your... What is it? It's what Basically, your advantage... Your real advantage is that when you live for someone, you're prepared to die. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay, calm down. Yeah, <laughs> Don't it's... teach that to a small child, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, jumping a, a little ahead from that pool of moss... Um, this is our introduction to the group of cool kids, and what I love about them is they are non-typical characterizations of the cool kids. <laughs> yeah. Because they are sincere and heartwarming and safe and welcoming and also cool. Yeah, and like they're also quite vulnerable. Yeah. The whole like you know, oh my dad never kissed me like that. Uh, yeah. The lack of daddy kisses is what made me who I am. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like the. In a lot of children's TV, the cool kids are generally cruel They kids. shut off their emotions mm. and don't talk about their feelings. Mm. And that's what makes them cool. But here, what makes the cool kids cool is they acknowledge their feelings and have honest, open, sincere conversations. Yeah, but very genuine. Um, like there's, I wrote down a couple of these sincere statements mm. that were made <laughs> that I thought were just really sweet bits of characterisation. Uh, so we had the lack of daddy kisses one. I'm exaggerating to sound cool, mm-hmm. at which Stephen responds, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing line. Yeah. Like, that's so uh, good. It's such good lessons they're teaching here. Like, yeah. uh, there's nothing lame about seatbelt safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, usually something like that would feel super forced. Here it feels really sincere. Yeah. It feels like this character's like legitimately, no, you're my friends, and I don't want my friends to get hurt, because I sincerely like you. Yeah, because it's so good, because the reason that Lars is failing to connect with them is he's not being himself. He's, he's not being yeah. He's trying to be the TV show cool kid yeah, who's detached and unemotional. Yeah, just all flippant and like, yeah, I don't care. And they're like, no, I care about this. 
So I like that Stephen, Stephen basically just, if he wants to make friends with someone, he goes and says hi. It doesn't matter that like, oh, you're like probably like half a decade older than me and mm-hmm. whatever. It's fine. Sure. Why not? One thing I was thinking of is that when Stephen is trying to make friends for Lars, mm. he doesn't care. He goes over and does it. When Stephen wants to make friends for himself, I Connie, Connie. <laughs> he's very nervous and scared oh, about it. Definitely. Um, I really like the message that we see here, but we also see it with Paul asking out the mystery girl much later on. Mm. Sincerity is the way to make people like you. Be open and sincere, even if that's a bit weird and non-traditional. People will see your sincerity and they will like you. Mm. It's a really nice message, especially for kids. Yeah. You got any things to say before I leave? Because I feel like I'm I'm aware I'm leading the conversation a bit tonight. (laughs) Um... About that episode? Or? Yeah, just about this episode while we're here. Um, one thing is that with the moss flowering, was it Stephen that did that because the flowers in the middle of them had a quartz gem? Yeah, it's. I was thinking that's either Stephen that did it or Rose permanently kind of is involved in that somehow, like the, the blossoming process. Because they say that Rose is the one that... Used to bring the moss up there. Yeah, with kind of like a ceremony or something. I feel like part of it is the presence of, ro- of the rose quartz gem and the moss being there together in the right place is what did it. I could see that, yeah. Like, I don't know that Stephen necessarily did anything but the gem, with his yeah. powers, but the presence of the gem was mm. an important catalyst for that to happen. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Um, So I, I want to talk about Lars a bit in this episode. So first of all, jumping... Way ahead, we will eventually get, like, the cornerstone episode here. I want to talk about the possibility of trans man Lars. Yeah, this is interesting mm. because I remember a couple of months ago, I I was vaguely aware of this theory, and I wasn't really on board with it. And then you explained it, I did some research, came back and went, yeah, okay, I can see it. Okay, so I'm going to jump ahead and make the point of the episode where we see the flashback to childhood Lars and... Uh, mystery uh, like uh, what's what's the kid's name that loves mysteries uh, Ronaldo yeah. um, Lars and Ronaldo that episode there are some we'll get we'll talk about it in depth when we get there but there is a really good case to be made there for trans man Lars hmm. um, and with that in mind I'm kind of watching for things early on now um, the thing that stood out to me at first is uh Lars, the way Lars's torso is drawn is he is incredibly skinny in every regard. His arms, legs, chest is very skinny. In spite of that, his upper torso has a very definitive curve between where the pecs would be that is not present on other male characters and is not in line with how thin and wiry the rest of his frame is. Which I think is interesting and of note. It and seems deliberate. It's, his chest is deliberately drawn differently to other male characters in the show. Mm. Which, again, by itself is not much, but these things will add up over the episodes. We've got a bunch of things to point out with Lars. Yeah. Um, There's also Lars slapping Stephen's hand from his chest. Uh, yep, Stephen... Uh, he puts his hand on... Uh, Lars, at the end of the episode, puts his hand on Stephen's chest... Stephen puts his hand on Lars's chest, and a second or two later, Lars slaps the hand away and goes, um, that's enough now. Mm. And is like, okay, I'm not super comfortable with you touching my chest. But Which... it started with Stephen 
touching Lars's chest in the beginning of the episode when yeah. he greets him outside the store. Yeah, I completely forgot yeah, about that one and as well. he slaps yeah. his hand away straight away yeah, and he's like, stop that. There are two moments in this episode of Stephen putting his hand on Lars' chest and Lars getting the hand away and being like, no, 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 thank you. No t- mm. touching my chest, which is, again, by itself not much, but it's the thing that's going to add up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... That Stephen stands up to Lars and is not afraid to lose some uh, lose him as a friend in order to defend his mum. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of snaps him out of trying yeah. to be like polite and trying to be nice to everyone. It's when Lars insults his mother. Yeah. He's like, well, I didn't even get to meet my mother. Yeah, yeah what do you know like... about my mum? I never even met her. Yeah, and you can... That's the first glimpse we get of his kind of... The anger towards yeah. his mother over never having... Being able to meet her. Yeah, like, he directs the anger at Lars, but the root of it is anger at why were you never around for me, Mum? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's anger at his mother's absence that he directs oh. at Lars. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like that up until this point, we've seen him idolise Lars, wants to be Lars's best friend, thinks that Lars is, is great. But he's not willing to be a doormat and just lie over and, and take it when Lars insults his mum. He's like, no... You don't get to do that. I don't care if this is the thing that means that we can't be friends. I'm going to stand up for what I believe. Yeah, that's a line. Basically. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that, that sets him off. Yeah. And then Lars had to, has to follow Stephen's lead because Stephen is confident and in control and knows what's going on, mm-hmm. which is the way that Lars tries to present himself. <laughs> and suddenly he's having to be like, oh, I don't know what to do. And Stephen's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what we do. Yeah. Which is cool. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other things or... Mm-mm. Uh, last thing I had, I guess, is I like that Stephen gives uh, that Lars... Let me try that sentence again. I like at the end that when Stephen has the opportunity to take credit for saving everyone, he lets Lars take the credit so that Lars can have the thing he wanted and be cool to the cool kids. Yeah, he knows that this is important to Lars. Yeah, he recognises this is something I can do for Lars to show him that I care about his happiness and getting him the things he wants. Mm. And that's really sweet. I was thinking there is actually a moment slightly earlier on in which it shows their priorities in the... Stephen is crying, trying to get Lars to not go in the pond, knowing that it has Mm. the moss in it. And Lars is crying, thinking that he won't get a chance to be friends with the cool kids. (sighs) Yeah, it's, it's very different priorities. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I guess from there we go on to our last episode of The Batch, which is episode 15, Onion Trade. Now, I think the important elephant in the room here is since we... The last time we saw Onion was the episode with Connie, where they were trying to make friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Since then, Onion's characterisation has completely switched. Yeah. Because that first episode we got was... He's he is still he was still nonverbal, but he was very friendly, helpful, willing to engage, happy... You could clearly understand his motivations. And this is the first time we get, like, weird, creepy, slightly... I don't want to use the... I don't think psychopathic's the right word, but very emotionally detached. Yeah, I'd say selfish. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem... He fires he a car of... at someone. Yeah. 
It's really unnerving, is the yeah. word they, for unnerving. With the animation, thing. they really go out of their end this episode to make him seem very unhinged. They they try and separate him. They try very hard to not humanise him. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Unhinged is the wrong word. It's it's Yeah, it's not human. He yeah. seems like he's almost... There's something a little alien about him. Yeah, alien. Yeah, thank you. You have better use of words than me. That's, that's all right. I'm, I'm doing all right <laughs> on the descriptive words tonight. Um... So, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff we can get onto with that. Um, I like that guys stands for a thing, and the first letter of the acronym stands for guys as well. (laughs) Guys! Guys under your supervision! Mm. I like how it's um, obvious, like, Mega Man references are, like, the grid kind of menu with, like, oh, it's blah 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 guy rather than blah blah man. Yeah, um, so the the guys, uh, I had... You know how we talked earlier about, um... What was it that we compared might have been a reference to Greg? Um, oh, the, the, the Pearl's comments about yeah, no matter uh, how ugly. Yeah. Um, I feel like Dave Guy is maybe meant to be Greg as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. With he's, the beard. Yeah. He, he's got a beard. He's not got his life together. Yeah. So he Dave... should really be doing his taxes. <laughs> yeah. Like Dave Guy is seen as the worst possible of the guys because he's... He's, he's useless and does nothing with his life. Yeah. And it's like, well, Greg has no powers. He doesn't really do anything. He's also yeah. overweight, also has a beard. Yeah. They, they've definitely tried to physically kind of link the two of them. Yeah, which I think is interesting that that's clearly not how Stephen sees his dad, mm. but I feel like it's possibly how other people see his yeah. dad. Or how his dad might see himself. Mm. Um, you look sad and wet. What happened to your life? <laughs> Yeah, Greg has some kind of... He doesn't have many lines in this, but are quite memorable. When Stephen says that he's lost something important and then... Is it your innocence? Your innocence? (laughs) He doesn't quite know how to interact with his son like a child. Um, So, earlier episode when Garnet gave the rock to Stephen, I can't remember which episode that was now, um, Stephen really does hold on to mementos of things because... Stephen holds on to a memento of a day spent with his dad. Mm-hmm. Yes, the reason Ranger Guy... That's, this is what I really yeah. like. Ranger Guy, later on, is established to Stephen to actually be kind of boring. Yeah, he doesn't actually <laughs> like the toy. Yeah, but what he really likes is that Ranger Guy represents a really nice memory of a connection he had with his yes. dad. And considering how little he has... Like, he doesn't spend a lot of time with his dad. It's like, Mm -hmm. I like to have this physical reminder that is like, oh, it's a practical thing that says that I spent my day with my dad. Yeah. One thing about that that I found kind of amusing is that Greg didn't remember doing something nice for his kid. What Greg remembered was the fact that he had a nice cake that day. Yeah. (laughs) The way that Greg remembers the same day is the food. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, we had a really nice funnel cake. And it's like... I... (sighs) I think it's interesting that Greg has probably to some degree been like, okay, Stephen is my son, but he lives with the gems. I have to just like not make it be a big thing. Hmm. Whereas Stephen is like, no, I definitely, I love my dad and I miss him and whatnot. And that Greg doesn't let himself get that emotionally attached to those situations Hmm. because he knows that Stephen's got to go back to the gems. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. It suggests a level of detachment that's sad. Yeah, I think it it ties back into being what Greg's character arc is, in that he he becomes a bigger part of the gem world and and of of Stephen's life as time goes on. 
back here in the early episodes, he's still very much disconnected from it all. Yeah, don't don't mention magic around yeah, me, please. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen point. Stephen has issues controlling the volume of his voice. First too yeah. quiet, then too loud. Yeah. Just observation. Um. So I have a question, just a practical plot question. Hmm. Stephen acknowledges that his ranger guy has a has a miscolored hat. He sees the ranger guy in Onion's pocket <laughs> mm-hmm. with the hat very clearly visible. How does he not at any point realize? Oh, that ranger guy with the miscolored hat is my ranger guy because it's yeah. got a miscolored hat. He, how does he not put that I, together? I think it goes along with the theme of the episode is that Stephen kind of misses the obvious, like with the duplicating wand. It's pointed out, like, it, instead of duplicating all the Dave guys to trade for ranger guy, why don't you just duplicate ranger guy? Because that's what you want. Like, he's he's not... Yeah. He's well, thinking... I feel that... I, I, you mentioned that during the episode, I think, Retta, and I did have a think, like, why doesn't he just do it? It's not about physically having the thing. It's about, I want the one that I got with my dad. I don't want a perfect replica made by the replicator wand. But... I want... My ranger guy. He doesn't know it's his at that point, though. No, he doesn't. At that point, he's not aware. He only That's a really good point, he, actually. He yeah. only learns it's his at the end of the episode when he gets it. Yeah. I think it's to do with Stephen's yeah, thing was... of having creative solutions to sometimes yeah, simple th- problems. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but if I have the replicator wand and I do it as a trade... He becomes very set on his one solution. His mm-hmm. initial solution yeah. is, I will trade for this. So then when he finds mm. the duplicator wand, it's not, okay, I can cancel this trading idea. It's, okay, this enhances the idea I already have and makes it easier mm-hmm. to pull off. So, complete side note, I have a theory that I've never thought about this previously with Onion, but I have a theory about why Onion's non-verbal. I'm really looking forward to this, because I saw the moment when we were watching when you yeah. came up with something. Yeah, did, did, <laughs> do you have any idea where I'm going no, with it? No, I don't. I'm um, looking forward to this. My theory, just out of nowhere... Is Onion's dad the um, the fisherman? Is he deaf? Because he doesn't. Sp- oh, he speaks. He he speaks with with not words with sort of mumbling something. Yeah. And he doesn't traditionally communicate, and his son doesn't speak but can clearly hear. And my question is, is Onion non-verbal because he his primary language is potentially something like sign language, which he knows that the people around him don't use, which is why he doesn't try to use it. Doesn't use it with Stephen because Stephen doesn't know sign language. That potentially he's just defaulted to his dad's whatever his dad's non-verbal language is because his dad's potentially deaf. Like, I don't know if that's right, but that's a thing that I thought about during this and I'm like it would make sense of his dad's voice and of him being non-verbal. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I, I think that Stephen, who thinks the best of everyone as well, says, oh, they don't need language. Yes, exactly. Mm. Stephen points out that the way they're communicating is not through words. Yeah. Or, so, no, I don't think he's... It, yeah. He says, he says they don't it. need words. Yeah. I think it's yeah. the way that he words So my, my thought again is just... I, I'm really curious to watch for this in other episodes now. I feel like potentially Onion's dad is deaf. I kind of want to rewatch that now. Yeah, just that well, little scene. We can put that scene back on after we finish recording the <laughs> yeah. podcast. But that's the thing I'm going to watch for going forward because it would make some interestingness out of non-verbal onion. Um, uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I I think you might be right. Uh, okay, so I had another thought, and this was just a complete 
side thought. It doesn't explain why Onion replicates all of the things and makes his mountain and goes a bit crazy. Mm. But thought of why he potentially wanted to trade for the replicator wand. His dad's never around. Oh, Could, was he thinking, sense. can I replicate my dad so that my dad can go to work, but I can still be with my dad? Possibly. That That's a potential motivator for why he might have been so eager to get the replicator one. Yeah, the, the mountain might have been so his dad could see him out at sea. Because it was yeah, right possibly. next to the beach. Yeah, they, I mean, they do establish Onion. Like, Stephen realises Onion's life runs around his dad. Mm. His life runs around just waiting for his dad to come back yeah. for a few minutes like, at a time. One thing that I really like is that this episode does quite well at establishing that Onion and Steven actually have something in common, which is that they both really cherish the time they have with their fathers. Mm. Mm. They do have some common ground, which as time goes on does lead them to a friendship. They do have... They definitely have shared things that they're just struggling to communicate. Mm. I definitely prefer the later characterization of Onion. Because I feel like... He's kind of a jerk. In this episode, well, he's stealing things. He tries to kill people. He's dropping cars well, on them. The, like, like... The, the later version of Onion seems to be a character that Stephen doesn't quite understand the thinking of, but understands that he Onion's not a bad person. He's just yeah. not really thinking well, in the same way as Stephen is. I've been trying to think about justifications for some of Onion's actions. So the mountain of, um, of Dave guys potentially could be lighthouse tall visible by the sea this is how people in a boat find where they're supposed to be Mm -hmm. um why is he throwing cars at people uh to keep them from taking the replicator one because he wants he wants a a version of his dad to be around he doesn't want them to take that away from him like there is a potential justification that would say like you didn't do the right thing but i understand the thinking that led you here i don't know also the dave things um they have it blonde beards and blonde like balding hair. Mm. So does Onion's dad. Yeah, so is Dave Guy kind of a blend of the two dads? Yeah, you, you could see it being Onion's dad in that it's there are some visual similarities, but also his focus is work. Yeah, because he's got his taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm, I could see that. Yeah, I did find it odd though that like I mean on on the subject of kind of Onion and he crashes what a moped or a motorbike yeah and it explodes like <laughs> that's the behavior that i think doesn't kind of line up with future onion as much as i kind of would like mm. i feel that at this point they're still kind of trying to characterize him as being creepy yeah like i i'm probably stretching a bit too far trying to find justification for his stuff here that probably doesn't have any real justification Hmm. there's also the argument that would cover both the moped thing and the mountain of dave guys which is he's got an absent parent and he's trying to get attention yeah i could see that it's it's the if i do bad things so that uh, like visibly so people notice my parents are going to have to be informed my dad will have to come back to shout at me or tell me off that'll mean that my dad is back. If I have to be punished, that means that dad has to come back to do it. And it's why you often see bad, like, characters with absent parents portrayed as doing bad things because it's a way to get the absent parents' attention again. True. That would also make sense with um, when Onion is there, when on the Stephen Makes Friends with Connie episode, because he's helpful. But... 
he's also at the docks and he goes on his father's boat to shoot the harpoon, which means that his dad is around. So he's, he's acting like a much nicer person yeah. because he's not his dad's around. To, to be bad to get that attention. Yeah. That makes sense. I would. I hope there's there is this much to Anya's character. I would like to think that he is a character that, like, is is just people don't understand him, but he's not a he, bad kid. He's he's, just, yeah. he's he's acting out in ultimately harmless but visibly destructive ways yeah. in order to try and get attention because he's missing an absent parent. Yeah. yeah. Like, to Onion, to himself, he's not doing as things that are as malicious as they appear, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do hope that's the intention behind him. And, I, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see with later Onion episodes whether any of the stuff we've discussed today holds true as we mm-hmm. go further through in his characterization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's us done for this, this week. I oh. just want to say one thing that I found really amusing was um, when... They ask why Stephen is willing to give away his ranger guy. Mm-mm. And he says, well, it was about the memories. And now I have new memories. Horrible, horrible memories. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, this has been episode three of the Crystal Clodcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, time to do self-promotion. Retta, where are you on the internet? I'm Supareta on the internet, which is S-U-P-A-R-R-A-Y-T-A-R. Supareta.r Supareta.r And Mia, where are you on the internet? On Twitter, I'm oh Mia God, which is like, oh my God, but Mia instead of my. It's really <laughs> easy to remember. I'm also at patreon.com Mia Violet. I'm also MiaViolet.com. I think think that's everywhere that's currently worth paying attention to me on <laughs> uh, you can find me at laura k buzz pretty much everywhere laura k buzz on twitter patreon youtube pretty much everything you can find the podcast now that we've like this is episode three we've not yet published any of these but we have the stuff set up now so we can st- finally talk about this it actually exists yes you Yay! can find us on itunes by searching crystal Cloudcast. you can find us on soundcloud by going to soundcloud.com forward slash crystal podcast and you can find our rss feed by going to the soundcloud and clicking where it says rss so yeah also we're on twitter at crystal podcast so yeah you probably know about at least one of those methods of finding us if you're listening uh, thank you very much for listening we'll have another episode next week bye <laughs>